Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 7. You ready? All right, here we go. Now about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, and tell me, he said, quote, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Verse 9, and Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the youth ministry who buried your husband are at the door. I, I added that because it's the youth, so do we have any youth in the house? Right, there's one 40-year-old up front. <laughs> Let's read first nine. Here we go, young at heart, amen. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. Then the young men, see, youth, Young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her beside her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and all who heard these things. Go to Acts chapter 19. And the 17th verse, that's the smaller number. 19 is a chapter, and then the smaller numbers are called verses. Verse 17 This became known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Let's pray. Father, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I do have some notes for you, and um, it's, been a, it's been a little bit since I've preached a message on the fear of the Lord, uh, but I'm going to sew it in and tie it into uh, healing because the fear of the Lord, if you have the fear of the Lord, it brings many things. One of the things the fear of the Lord brings is healing. But we'll look at a composite picture of all the different things that the fear of the Lord brings. Maybe not all of them, but, but a, a pretty good look at it. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord brings healing. I want you to say that. The fear of the Lord brings healing. Many, many years ago, I heard a story of a youth pastor and uh, he was counseling youth as youth pastors do. And the youth was saying, this student was saying to his youth pastor, I just can't keep my hands off of Susie. She's so fine. And then we end up by Wasilla Lake. And, you know, I just, it's terrible. I can't sin. I can't help myself. And the youth pastor said, no, you can help yourself. I want you to imagine for a moment, as the youth pastor said to this young man, I want you to imagine for a moment that there you are parked in your car at Wasilla Lake, and it's dark, and there you are with Susie, and you have this urge to begin to grope her like all the other times you've done. But then there's a knock on the window, and you look. It was an unusual metallic glass kind of tap. There you look and see the father of Susie with a sawed-off shotgun <laughs> tapping on the window. Instantly, you have no problem controlling yourself. 
And all the father said, why would that be? Because he had fear of Susie's father. Now, what they were doing riding together at night, that's what I've swallowed, so they could have backed out all the way up and avoided the whole thing. But the fear of the Lord. The key to both of these texts is the word fear. The key to both texts is the word fear. There's a good fear and there's a bad fear. Good fear and, and, and bad fear. The fear of man is a bad fear. Fear of what somebody thinks about you is a bad fear. Fear of God, good fear. The fear of the Lord is a good fear. My, my wife prays, I think it's nearly every day, um, certainly nearly every day. Teach us to fear your name. Give us the fear of the Lord. God, give me the fear of the Lord. She prays that for me. She prays that for my children. She prays that for herself. I want you to pray that. Say, Lord, give me the fear of God. Well, teach me to fear the Lord. Won't you say that? Teach me to fear the Lord, to fear your name. These texts, uh, maybe you've seen this, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, the background of that is there's a great release of generosity. And by the way, I'd like to say on Sunday morning, Sunday night, all together, we gave $48,000 to our building project. Somebody ought to give them praise in the house of God. That, that's not our tithes. That's just giving to the building. Wow. Come on, somebody. People sacrificially gave, and uh, God will bless you for it. And uh, I'm so thankful. Really, it was amazing. I'm, I'm sure we're going to push it over that December will close out having given a million dollars into our building project above and beyond our tithe. Can, can you say hallelujah? So this, this wave of generosity comes. Barnabas, whose name means the son of encouragement, gives a gift, and it releases generosity throughout the entire congregation. And there's this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And they have a piece of land, and they want to do exactly what Barnabas did. Barnabas sold a piece of land and gave the proceeds to the church. And so they're like, dog, I got a piece of land. I'm going to sell that. I'm pretty sure they didn't have an accent like that. That's like somewhere... Western Kentucky or something. I don't know. I'm going to sell the land. Well, let's give the money too. And so they, they said that they did that. But together, they said, you know something? Let's just give some of it and hold back some of the rest. Now, why would somebody do that? I mean, think about, listen, when you read Scripture, don't just read it. Why would somebody do that? Why, why would somebody say they gave it but didn't? And I think the, the logical answer is that they desired to have a higher standing in the congregation before people. I gave my land. How'd you do? But they, they didn't give it all. They lied. And they didn't just lie to people. They lied to the Holy Spirit. There's so much here. You can't lie to a soap dish. The Holy Spirit's a person. So you don't want to call him an it. He's the third part of the Trinity. So so when that happens, the text says that fear fell on the church. Great fear fell on them. I mean, that's amazing. Verse 11, so great fear. So can you imagine if that happened today? No, can you imagine if, if a couple did that or whatever and they dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit? See, some of you think you can lie to the Holy Spirit and it's all good. And it's not all good in the hood. 
You can lie to the Holy Spirit, you're going to end up with some consequences, and you might not have those just yet, but there's consequences coming. Don't take God's kindness for weakness. He's a loving, generous, gracious God. He's long-suffering. He's patient. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. But at the same time, if you take His kindness as slack, and it's just winking at your lying, winking at your sin, you're totally mistaken. Totally mistaken. If this was to happen today, and I've said it humorously before, I mean, it'd be like, how would that look like at the front page of the Frontiersman? That liberal paper in town. How would that be? How would that be? Church kills two of its leaders. <laughs> and you think that that would cause the church to shrink. That's the other thing that I think about. You think, you think that a display of God's power, he killed them, God killed them. Touch your neighbor and say, God killed him. That's the New Testament. I'm not reading out of the Old Testament. New Testament. Everybody say new. The New Testament. I don't like that so much, Pastor. Right. Exactly. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, you know, some of you have fallen asleep early because you've not discern the body and the blood of the Lord. He's talking about communion. He's rebuking them and falling asleep. He's talking about people in the church that died. I'm not feeling the love over here. I, people in the church that died, they, they died early. They fell asleep because death for the believer is falling asleep. So it's, it's, not, it's not Thanatos, a separation from God. It's, it's falling asleep for the believer. So he said, hey, some of you, some of you are sick, this is 1 Corinthians 11, weak and have fallen asleep because you've, you've not discerned the body and the blood of the Lord and you eat and drink judgment on yourself. Communion is a beautiful thing. The meal that heals and the meal that kills. Let's have a praise break. Ready? Go. Hey, thank you, Jesus. You know, the church is a very low, the church, the Western church has a very low view of the judgments of God and has a very low view of hell. And I'm just going to tell you, if you don't have a revelation of hell, you'll not have a real salvation. And if you don't understand that God is not weak, God is not slack, God is loving, and you can get yourself in deep trouble. What do you do? Repent, quick. And live right. So they, Ananias and Sapphira did not have the fear of the Lord. They, they didn't have that. There was something lacking. They figured they could just do that and everything would be okay. But when they did it, great fear fell on the church, came upon all the church and all who heard these things. What does that mean? That means they started living right. That means they stopped lying. That means like, oh, <laughs> whoa, they start living right. The fear of the Lord will do amazing things for you. So Ananias and Sapphira both die because they lie to the Holy Spirit. And God's killing them was, unless I, mean, I was typing that on, I'm like, is that, is that right? But That's right. That's a good way to say that. God's killing of them was a reiteration of the truth in the early church that they must fear the Lord. Now I'm going to teach you about what that means because it's not like afraid of the boogeyman. It's not afraid of the dark. It's very different. And it's a complex you have the fear of the Lord? Yeah, I've got the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? You know, it's to uh, fear him. Well, what does that mean? It's to um, um, fear him? I mean, I, how do you define that? 
So we should look through Scripture, and you're going to look at a lot of Scripture. Again, I hope you brought a steak knife. Now, in Ephesus, we read that the Acts 19 text is a story of the seven sons of Sceva. They're the first streakers for all of you that were born in the 60s and 70s. They, they got stripped naked by one demon, and they ran around naked and bleeding. And, and great fear fell on the church, too. They, they used the name of Jesus as a lucky charm. The seven sons of Sceva were attempting to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons without knowing Jesus or serving him. And so great fear comes upon the Lord. All right, seven things. Are you ready? Are you ready? Seven things that define the fear of the Lord. It means to fear is anger. Psalm 90, verse 11. In the Amplified Version, I liked it best. Who understands the power of your anger? Question mark. Who contends, who connects, pardon me, this brevity of life among us with your judgment of sin? Question mark. And your wrath, who connects it with the reverent fear that is due you? That text in the Amplified makes it very plain. You have the NIV, New King James, King James, kind of hard to understand. But the, the Amplified version is, it just puts it so beautifully that who can understand the power of your anger? God gets angry. He's angry at the devil. He's, come on, he's served, he's served judgment upon him. The final aspect of that is yet to be unfolded, but it will. One angel will wrap one chain around the devil and throw him in the lake of fire. Who can understand the power of your anger? Who connects this brevity of life among us with the judgment of your sin? You should connect your life with the reality that there is judgment for your sin. All, all, Jesus, Jesus took the judgment for my sin. I'm so glad Jesus took the judgment for your sin. You're still going to be held accountable. Bump your other neighbor and say, man, it's good to be in church. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He's not a cosmic bellhop. He's not just, you know, somebody you just can come to and get help from. He's God, almighty what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to, number two, to hold God in reverence and awe. It's a mixture of wonder and dread, I think would be a good word. Awe and wonder. Psalm 89, verse 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and is to be held in reverence by all those around him. Thirdly, it's, it means to depart from and hate evil, Proverbs 3, 7. Say, Pastor, why are you bringing us through this tonight? Because if you had the fear of the Lord, you wouldn't be in some of the mess that you're in. I'm not in a mess. That must mean that you have the fear of the Lord then. And it's not that we don't face difficulties, we face them. But as you face them, God gives you victory if you have the fear of the Lord. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can just put a bullseye on your chest and wait for sudden impact Let's move on. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, the evil 
and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. God loves and God hates. He loves you. He hates evil. Come on, say he loves me. He loves me. Oh, he loves me. No, oh, the joy that floods my soul. He loves me. Come on, say he loves me. He hates evil. Fourthly, it means to keep his commands and walk in his ways, obey his voice and walk uprightly. Proverbs 14, 2, whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly, but those who despise him are devious in their ways. 1 Samuel 12 and 14, if you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. Deuteronomy 10, 8, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in obedience to him? To love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So many scriptures. Deuteronomy 5, 29. Oh, that their hearts would have been inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children. How would you like it to go well with you and your children? Right. Fear the Lord. You know, really? Really? Yeah. Really? Deuteronomy 6.2, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. So when you fear the Lord, you keep his word. You know, I've had people say to me, I love God, I just love God, but, the, but their life doesn't, I don't, let, me, let me say it this way. Loving God, has, God has a prescribed way of loving him. It's called obeying his word. So you can say that you love him, but if you disobey and you live in disobedience to his word, something's wrong in your heart towards the Lord. There is agape, unconditional love. And then there's a Western sloppy agape, which means you could just do whatever you want and he loves you. He just winks at you and you can just live that lifestyle and be that guy, be that gal, and the Lord loves you, and it's all good. That's not true. That's not even biblical. It means to trust him, Psalm 115, verse 11. It means to serve him, Joshua 24, 14, 1 Samuel 12 and 24. It means to praise him and to declare his works. How many are you trying to do that? How many are you trying to praise him? How often is the praise of God in your mouth? That would be a reflection of what's in your heart. How many of you want to do more than I do? I do. If you choose to fear the Lord, there's some great promises. Some great, great promises. One of which is healing, which we'll get to in this series, our forgotten healing, our forgotten birthright, because so many people don't realize that actually being healed goes with salvation. It's together. So you contend for that and you receive it. So what happens if we fear the Lord? Well, personally, a bunch of stuff happens, and a bunch of stuff happens in the church if a church fears the Lord. Personally, it'll help you keep you from sin. Now, I'm fixing to get in trouble right now, so I'm going to take my jacket off. Thank you very much. I'm going to get after it. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. I talked about this for a moment at ETS. It'll help you not to sin. So Matthew 
chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount is chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. I would encourage you to memorize it. Are you serious right now? Yeah, if you want to live holy, you want to, want to get God's word down in the city of your soul, memorize chapter 5, 6, and 7. It'll help you profoundly. It's the bylaws of the kingdom of God. Eight beatitudes, eight attitudes that if you have and cultivate in your life will release blessings. And then after that, he talks about being salt and being light. Then after that, he talks about anger, which when it escalates becomes murder. I taught, I taught on I taught on anger escalating to murder, and I'm I'm like got off got off of my ETS program, and something happened. I just had steam coming out both of my eyes, uh, both of my eyes, both of my ears. Dude, I'm just like my blood boiled over a situation. I'm like man, and I just taught on anger. God, God, and my wife said, "Look at that! You just taught on anger being a spirit of murder." And there you go. I'm like. Just sitting there like a filleted salmon going, Jesus, help. You know, there's something about the Word of God. When you get the Word of God down in you, it'll slay you. It's sharper than any two-inched sword. You want to deal with your anger problem. You want to deal with your lust problem. You want to deal with your greed problem. You want to deal with the challenges you have in your life. You get the Word in you, and it just, man, it just, the second you go to blow your stack, you hear scriptures like, like the city without walls is the man who gives full vent to his wrath. That's in Proverbs. The idiot gives full vent to his anger. How many of you'd like to be an idiot? Just raise your hand. You just can't wait to be an idiot right now. Yeah. If you give full vent to your wrath. Well, I, I didn't give full vent. That was only half. You should see really how it, you're an idiot. Come on, did somebody say you're an idiot? All right, that's not very nice talk, but children's churches somewhere. Amen. Proverbs 5. No, Matthew. Matthew 5, verse. Talking about the fear of the Lord and how it brings healing, but the fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. And by the way, sin will, has a way of opening the door to sickness and disease also. I'm not saying all sickness and disease comes from sin. But it can be related all the way back to the, to the fall of mankind. We can certainly, there was no sin in the garden before they fell. So it, it is certainly a product of the fall. And there's no, there's no sickness in heaven, right? Okay, Matthew 5, verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who so much as looks at a woman with lust, now that's woman or man, with lust, for her has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble and leads you to sin, tear it out. And he goes on to say, if your right hand offends you, you know, cut it off. He's not saying that you should be the one-eyed, one-handed church. He say, he, I mean, he goes on to say, verse 30, if your right hand makes you stumble and leads you to sin, cut it off. Look, at for it's better for you uh, to lose one of the parts of your body than for all of your body to go into hell. I mean, this is Jesus talking. And like I said, the church has a very low view of hell. They don't think about it much. And, and I, I don't meditate on hell by any means, but, but at the same time, I know there's a place called hell. I've studied enough. You know, some of you, if you have a problem with sin, you have a problem with lust, just do some word studies on where it's going to take you. 
And, and another thing to do is watch the passion of the Christ. Every time you have problem with your flesh, just put on, put on the passion of the Christ, the whole whipping scene and the crucifixion scene, and realize that's what your sin did, did to Jesus. And it'll help you just sort of snap out of it. So if you have the fear of the Lord, you're, you're not going to cave into immorality. It'll just help you. Come on, so raise your right hand to heaven and say, God, give me the fear of the Lord. Come on, say it again. Give me the fear. Give me the fear of the Lord. Immorality and sin. Sexu- immorality includes sexual sin. And uh, as I talked about today in my 1230 program, I do Monday through Saturday for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I get really fired up. I go for half an hour, but I try not to go past one o'clock. Immorality starts with the eyes. It doesn't start with your actions. The actions follow that. You say, well, my eyes are my actions. Okay, Mr. Lust Bucket. My point is, my point is that's where it starts. It starts here. You know, I was um, shopping recently. And uh, I was with my daughter and um, <laughs> there's so much out there that would try to, to draw your eyes away. And if you, if you don't have control of your eye gate, then you're going to be filled with lust. I'm just telling you, especially men. Men are, men are very visual. And um, by the way, those of you ladies that are trying to, I'm not looking at anybody. Actually, my eyes are closed right now. Those of you that dress in a way that is uh, sedu- seductive and you reveal parts of your body to draw the eye of a man, that's not smart because you'll get that kind of a man. You, you'll get that kind of a guy. And I'm just going to tell you that that kind of a guy is not the kind of guy you want to marry. You want to marry someone who's not controlled by their lust. Did you know that lust in marriage, I believe, is wrong? You say, well, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. I'm married, so we can, you know, we can whenever we want to. That, that's true. But, but if you're lusting after your spouse, that's not love. That's lust. You treat your spouse, man or woman, like a thing. Sure is quiet in here. There are so many people that are addicted to screens. They, they just are. They're addicted, they're addicted to screens. And, and it's a sad thing. I have on my, on my lock screen, I have a picture of my wife. That's my beautiful wife right there. Some of you men need to do it, and I'll tell you why. You need to etch the beautiful picture of your wife's face into your memory. But my wife and I are very, I don't know, I've done a lot of counseling, so maybe I can just help you. We, we don't, um, how do I say this? Jesus, help me. Yes, but I can't remember how I said it on ETS, so it's, you know, it's a little challenging. We, we, don't, we, don't, uh, um, we don't have intimate relations via screen. There's something to me very wrong with that. You say, why? Because it's impersonal and it's, it's not real. You know, there's a whole group of people, they can't even um, move forward into the things that a husband and wife would move forward into without a screen. They actually have to watch something together for that to, children's church is upstairs, isn't it? Are you guys all right? Well, mostly. Put some cotton in that girl's ears right there. 
I'm, I'm shooting high. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, am I shooting high enough? Shoot higher. <laughs> Listen, some of you don't hear this kind of stuff. And, you, and so, you know, you, Dr. Phil, I mean, thank God for what's good that we can retain and grasp. But I'm going to tell you, you've got to hear it from the pulpit. And it's, got, and it's holy and it's pure. And it's very, very important. I, don't, I think it's very, very dangerous to have an aspect of your intimacy as a husband and wife through a screen. Personally. That's my personal conviction. Okay? Because there's something about the eye gate. You know, uh, Job, I believe it's 31.1. I said 3.11. Actually, my son yelled it out. 3.11, but I think it's 31.1. Go there, Proverb, uh, Job. Job, G, oh, it sounds like job, J, spelled like job, J-O-B, job 31-1, turn, turn there if you can, and if it's not that one, then it is 311, all right, put that on the screen if you can, now, I, I'm going to be very transparent to say that when I first came into the kingdom, I was filled with all kinds of demons. Lust, greed, anger, murder. I had, I had a composite. I mean, I was messed up. Don't look at me like that. You guys still have some of those issues. I got rid of mine. Don't look at me like that. All right, Proverbs 31.1. Come on, tap your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, man, this is good. All right, now if there's red eyes staring back at you right now, just raise your hand wherever you are all across this place. All right. Job 31.1, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. I just felt the Holy Ghost on this. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord. I'm talking about healing. But I felt the Spirit on it today so much so that I thought I would punch it in the throat. Go to verse 9. 31.9, if you can. So when I first came in, if my heart has been enticed by a woman or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door... I, this is, Job, this is Job. So literally, I had such a hard time with lust that I, the first thing I would do, I got counsel from another man of God. He said, you need to deal with this thing in your life. I said, I'm going to deal with it. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. And he told me, Job 31.1, you wake up in the morning, you lay hands on your own eyes, and with all your heart, you make a covenant with God not to use those to look upon a woman to lust after her. Now, some of you women lust after men, so please plug in this revelation. And so I would wake up in the morning, actually, in actual fact, I would lie down. This is, exa this is the routine I had for I don't know how long, long before I met Pastor Karen. I would be sleeping. The alarm would go off for morning prayer. I'd be like, Jesus, help me right now turn the alarm off, and then I would say this, my Lord, my God, my King, my everything, I worship you. And then I would go one, two, three, and I'd turn myself up. I still do that turning part. And then I would say, okay, here we go. Oh, God, I make a covenant with my eyes right now that I will not look upon a woman to lust after. So help me, God, in the name of Jesus. I make a covenant today. I will walk in victory with my eyes. In Jesus' name. Then I'd pray in the spirit a little bit. And then I'd just get up and go right for a cup of coffee and on to victory. 
And there were times in my life where I couldn't go to the gym because, because. <laughs> you know, there I am lifting weights and sister wear, wearing, you know, the thong outfit or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm serious. I'm telling you. And then, and then many women and men can be led by a demon spirit to bring seduction to you to mess you up. Come on, someone say that's the wrong way to get a spouse. I, I just felt I'd just deal with that for a quick second right now. You know, So the fear of the Lord will keep you from all that. And, and there's, there's two principles here that sin and immorality starts with your eye gate. And it goes down into your heart. And the second principle is that you better deal with that stinking thing or it'll take you to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. Did you get something? All right. Look at, uh, look at uh, the next point of what God does for us personally. If we fear the Lord, he will deliver you from all your enemies. 2 Kings 17. Number three, he will, you'll have wisdom. How many of you need wisdom? Then fear the Lord. Have the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 25, verse 12 through 14. Who is a man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. Literally, when you have the fear of the Lord, when you obey his word, when you have all mixed with reverence for God, he will come and teach you himself. He, that's what it says. It says he'll teach you. Come on, somebody say, the Lord is teaching me. Him himself will dwell in prosperity. Verse 13. And his descendants shall inherit the earth. That's what my kids are going to inherit the earth. Verse 14, Proverbs 25, 14. Turn there, underline it, double underline it, highlight it. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. See, a lot of people want revelation, but you're not using the revelation you have. If you, you want God to give you the Big Mac Daddy download from the throne, but you're not dealing with the very simple principle things that he's taught you, you're not obeying those. Now, why would God come and speak to you and entrust to you something that's, that's dear and close to his heart when you can't be entrusted with John 3.16? Let's have a praise break. It feels really quiet in here. You guys tired? Come on, come on, come on, raise your hands, lift your voice, say, God, help me, help me, God. You'll be honored. A lot of people want to be honored, but don't understand that if they'll just fear the Lord, then honor will come. You'll be honored. Psalm 15, 4, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps an oath even when it hurts? And does not change their mind. Mm. You'll have God's mercy, Psalm 103. How many of you want mercy? You want mercy. I'm just telling you, you want mercy. I want justice. If we had justice, you'd be dead. So thank you for your mercy, Lord. Mercy. You'll be blessed. Psalm 112, Psalm 115, Psalm 128, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 12. I surely know that, I, that it will be well with those who fear God. 
I surely know that it'll be well with those who fear God. I'm just telling you, and you have the fear of the Lord, which is this composite picture that I'm trying to put together, those seven things. If you cultivate that in your life, you'll have all of these promises. God will answer your prayers. Psalm 145, 19. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. You know, I want to teach you something just as you read the word, understand biblically that what the Bible says is also saying by not saying. Follow this. Honor your father and mother and have a long life. So Minister Avery, what happens if we don't honor our father and mother? What happens with our life? Are you going to die early? You're going to die early. Especially in the Vincent household. <laughs> honor your father and mother have a honor your father and mother have a long life. Dishonor mom and dad, shorten your life. That's why it's very important that you teach your kids to honor your spouse, your husband, your wife. Teach your kids to be kids of honor. So they don't listen. Yes, that's children. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. They need a little pressure on the hind of their understanding. And plus, I've been watching how you've been so dishonorable, so they're usually modeling, modeling you. Not feeling the love. Let's all have a praise break for a second. Liars go to hell. But then when the bill collector calls, you hand on the phone and say, tell him I'm not here. <laughs> not you guys. It's probably just the people online. So when you read, when you read Scripture... For instance, Ecclesiastes 8.12, I surely know that it will be well with those who fear him. What's the opposite of that? I surely know that you're going to get jacked up if you don't fear God. That's basically what it says. How many of you would like to be messed up, toe up from the flow up, jacked up all your life, cursed with all kinds of diseases, live in a, a, an arid place and won't even know when the stream goes by? How would you like to be cursed in the city, cursed in the field, cursed going, hey, cursed going in, cursed. We should read Deuteronomy 28. How many of you all like that? No one in their right mind. When you fear the Lord, it releases the blessing of the kingdom of God. Prayers will be answered. You have a long life. You'll be healed. There's the main text. Malachi for the Italians. Malachi 4, 2. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Let's reverse that. For those of you that don't fear my name, it's going to be utterly black and dark. It's going to be no healing. You're going to stay in a, in a calf. You're going to stay in, pardon me, in a... In a uh, <laughs> you're going to stay in a stall, and you're not going to be fed. There you go. <laughs> you're going to be skinny, scrawny, in a dark place with lots of sickness. <laughs> Raise your hand if you'd like to be skinny and, scr skinny and scrawny with sickness. All right. 
<laughs> I heard this lady say, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to the Lord again because he got it confused last year. That he did? said, Lord, I want a fat bank account and a skinny body. You got it all messed up. <laughs> you got it messed up, Lord. You reversed it. That's a skinny bank account, fat body. Okay, all right. And fat used to be in. You know, voluptuous, I think they called it. Let's uh, move on. God will give you true rest, Proverbs 25 again. Your seed, that's your children, your offspring, shall inherit the earth, Proverbs 25 again. Your children will be blessed. You'll be happy. Blessed is the one who trembles. This is Proverbs 28, verse 14. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. There is a number of people that have come and are listening online and perhaps here and you're hearing the word, and you're hearing the word, and you're hearing the word. And the same sun that melts snow and ice also hardens clay. And if you're hearing this word over and over, service after service, and you don't turn your heart, you, you don't begin to participate in turning your heart, then your heart will be hardened, and it'll be many years, if ever, you come back before the Lord. The enemy wants you to continue to run. This is like a prophetic word for somebody. I'm just turning it loose. The enemy wants you to continue to run, continue to hide, continue to try to sedate yourself by purchasing things and, and, and food and sports and continue to try to hide from the pain that's so deep in your heart. But if you will turn towards the Lord, if you will turn towards him on this night, this day, and have an attitude of turning towards him, he will heal the broken places of your life and he will take that broken, shattered heart, put it back together and use you for the purpose that, that he created you. You're not supposed to be broken, not supposed to be angry all the time, not supposed to be filled with rage and destitute and, 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 and frustrated. and just that, That's not how you were designed. God not, did not design you that way. He did not. He designed you to be blessed. He designed you to be healed. He designed you to walk in wholeness. But if you can't trust him and you keep hardening your heart message after message and come because somebody made you come, you're trying to please somebody. And you'll end up with a really hard heart. It's interesting. If you look in um, Exodus, you'll find that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And I have to go look. This is just off the top of my spirit here. There comes a point when, when then the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. See, but Pharaoh had been hardening his heart all those other times. You, you have to be very careful not to have a hard heart. It's very dangerous. So the fear of the Lord. These are some of the promises that, that, that come through fearing the Lord. And for the church, true repentance takes place. And if you look at these texts, I mean, people start getting saved like crazy, like serious. Serious? God would kill somebody for lying to him? Oh, man. You're all going to church and we're all getting right tonight, you know. I mean, can you imagine if you were in the town and you heard about the seven sons of Sceva or you heard, about, you heard about Ananias and Sapphira and you were half-stepping in the church. And now you're like, man, I, shouldn't, I don't think I should do that anymore. I, I, don't, I don't think I should keep fornicating. I, should keep, I think I need to stop that. That's, this is serious. God ain't, God ain't playing around. 
I got like an amen and a that's right. And a hallelujah. Thank you. Wherever you are, keys, please. There's a release of miracle power. Acts 5, 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. See, when there's a fear of the Lord, there's a release of healing, there's a release of God's kingdom. When there's no fear, it releases death. It's pretty simple. Like, what do I do? Ask God to teach you to fear the Lord. You know, I first came in to the church, I had a spirit of a spirit of Duncan, I think is what I would call it. A Duncan spirit. Duncan was one of the main manufacturers of yo-yos back in the 70s. How many of you ever had a Duncan yo-yo? How many of you know how to walk the dog? All right. Skin the cat. Is that a real one? I was just kidding. <laughs> There's a cat in the cradle, right? This one. So what I mean is, I came in and I went out. I came in and I went out. Just like, just like a yo-yo. And uh, it's always a tricky thing how transparent you should be. So I'll say it this way, and this will cover it perfectly. Can I tell you something? I love stepping on flies and killing them and stuff in the altar because it's a picture of Beelzebub. Amen, I just killed a fly. Maybe we could pick that up before someone's face is on it. Amen, later on when we pray for the sick. <laughs> like, Ew, is there fly juice up front? We clean it. There's a clean team. Amen. So, Pastor Karen and I were dating and we had a romantic dinner and we ended up in an embrace. The Lord spoke to me and said, plain and simple, take your hands off of my daughter. It scared me so bad that I, I, I freaked out. I let go of her, and which was an act of God. Some of you will get that maybe later. And I, I backed away. I backed away, and I told her what she said. And she said, oh, my gosh. He's been telling me I'm his daughter. And, and, and the Lord's like, that's my daughter. That's, that's not yours. She doesn't belong to you. And the Lord protected us and helped us. And I, it was a revelation. You know what it was? It was like, it was like that student with Susie. Daniel, huh? take your hands off of my daughter. No problem. No problem. Something much bigger than a sawed-off shotgun. I instantly had the fear of the Lord. I realized, man, I better, I better not do that. I better not touch her again. And I didn't. Then we get married, had the blessing of the Lord. Fear of the Lord will help you. Will release healing. So 
Some of you have secrets. You know how many secrets I have with my wife? Zero. There is, there is people, the power of the enemy is to sow into your thinking lies and to get you to create a secret life. Now, I've, I've done all kinds of autopsies. I've done all kinds, spiritual autopsies. People that were at this great place leading thousands to Christ and they wiped out, destroyed their life, destroyed their marriage, destroyed their kids. Life group leaders, male, female, high school students, college students. I've done all kinds. They all say the same thing. I didn't have anybody I could talk to is one of the number one things they say. You have to expose Okay, I feel like the Lord just gave me some insight uh, for those that are struggling with pornography and uh, struggling with sin as a means of coping with your, your challenges and problems. There's, there's, I saw, how do I say it? There's a, a cycle in your life that triggers thinking, triggers, there's a trigger and that trigger then causes a pattern of your thoughts to run and to run out. So, for instance, maybe it's uh, financial pressure and rejection, and because of the rejection of financial pressure, you look to get eased by that, and so you go to pornography, and it just pulls your mind off into a place of enticement through your eye gate. Or it could be drugs. Actually, pornography is the new drug because it releases the same chemicals in your mind. And it used to be just men. It's not just men anymore. There's women too. And we have programs to help you get free from that. If you have that kind of a challenge, don't let shame keep you in the, in the, behind the, the bars in the prison. Break that shame. Expose it. Contact the church. Tell them I need some help regarding lust. We'll hook you up with a group and you'll be set free. I don't have a problem with lust anymore. I haven't had a problem with lust for a long time. Long time. I mean, I don't know, 20 years plus. By the way, if you think you're going to get married and that's going to solve your lust problem, you're wrong. I've seen it. And like, like, like a, a, a boy or a girl with a new toy just fades a little bit after a few months and then all of a sudden they're off doing it again and because they're unsatisfied. Why? Because it's lust. It, lust never is satisfied. So I saw this pattern. You have, to, you have to see what the pattern is. You have to be prayed up and, and, and uh, allow for the Holy Spirit to quicken you when the pattern, when the trigger's pulled. Look, it'd be depression. It could be lust. It could be greed. It, you plug in any pattern, any iniquitous pattern, iniquitous, uh, iniquity, any pattern of sin in your life. Like I keep struggling with this thing. Find out what the trigger is. Get to the trigger. What was the source of that thing? And in the name of Jesus, come against it and get healed for when the time when your dad or your brother or your, your girlfriend or your ex-wife or the thing that happened or when you were dropped in your head or when you were rejected, get, get, to the, get to the root of what that thing is. Invite Jesus into that place and get healed. And then, and then what has to happen, that, that's the first part. Then after that, as you walk that out, You'll all of a sudden find yourself in a place of rejection again. Find yourself in a place of financial pressure again. And the thought will come, 
oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go look at something. And then you'll realize, no, wait, that's that thing. And instantly you have to call a brother, you gotta call a sister, you gotta say, you need to pray for me. Hey bro, can you pray for me? And you're like, be honest. I've been struggling with this and this and this. Would you pray for me? And you get prayer. And if it didn't work on the first prayer, get some more. Get some counseling. Fight that thing. You have to fight it. You can't just let it, just let it, I want, I want the blessing of God. You want the blessing of God, but you don't want to fight. I've got news for you. That's, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. If you want to be free, you want to walk in wholeness and healing, you want the blessing of God, you're going to have to lace up your gloves and beat the fool out of that thing with the blood of Jesus and change your mind. You have to change the neural paths in your mind. You have to think differently. Renewing your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. And so when that pattern comes, you have to forcefully kill it. It just wants to go right to dope or porn or whatever. And you have to go, no, no, no. And that's why I was a yo-yo. I had all kind, I needed to be recircuited. Are you getting anything? Simply tonight, what the Lord is saying to us is, do you really fear him? Do you? Do you really? Don't answer me. It's a, request, it's a question from the Lord. You answer him. Do you really fear him? You'll know it by your actions. You'll know it by the way you spend money. You'll know it by the thoughts that are in your head and the lifestyle that you live. That's how you know if you really fear him. If you really feared the Lord, would you have said that thing to your spouse, to your friend? Would you have said it? Would you have been so quick to rip that person? Would you have demeaned and slandered and gossiped about that one? If you, if you, really, if you really feared the Lord, would you have taken advantage and fornicated? that person who belongs to God, not you. Fornication is committing the sexual act outside of marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman by biblical definitions. They can say whatever they want. We know what scripture says. So. All sex outside of marriage is unsanctioned and wrong. You see, because Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit just pushing me. You see, you're so sacred. But most people aren't taught this. I've, I've taught my kids. We started with books when they were little children. And I can't remember the name of the books, but there was about this sacred, precious thing, that this gift that God has given you. And and you, you give it to the one you marry, but you never give it before that. I'm like, man, I wish somebody gave me the book. Because <laughs> that's, that's not how it went for me. So I needed God to heal me. And, and if that's not how it went for you then either, then, you know, praise God, we're born again, and he can make us new creations. Amen. I believe that God can even restore your virginity. Yeah. 
And so we taught them, you know, this is very precious. If you knew how, how sacred you were, that act, that act between a man and a woman, that act of oneness for, for making children, yes, for pleasure, hallelujah, amen. But it's also an act of oneness. It's, it's actually the greatest act of spiritual warfare in a marriage that you could do. Somebody like, we could do some spiritual warfare tonight. Come on. Gonna bind that devil tonight. Hey! Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much. In actual fact, they've shown in psychology that people are, that have been very promiscuous have uh, uh, multiple personalities. What is that? Schizophrenia. Thank you. Schizophrenics are frequently very promiscuous. It's a root cause of Chris. I'm going to say, well, I know some other reasons. Okay. All right. I'm just saying that there is some evidence there. You see, because that union that takes place, you get a piece of them and they get a piece of you. Gosh, when I first heard this in church, I was like, oh gosh, I got some people I got to get rid of right now. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I told you I was a yo-yo. I wasn't raised a Christian. I was a dog. I wasn't nearly as much of a dog as some of you, but I'm just saying. I needed some deliverance. Come on, John Duke, give me an amen. I needed deliverance. And I remember being in a service, hearing this kind of a message, and I thought, oh, whatever I took from others, God, I don't want it. Lord, I just want to give it back. And everything that was ever taken from me, I want it back. I sever all of those things. I had somebody lay hands on me, and I'll tell you something. It was like it was like a two-by-four broke over my head. That was the sound. It was a snap. And I'm just telling you, something was different. Shame will keep you in your bondage. That's why I preach the way that I do. That's why I preach to you and the truth to you and I try to be transparent to break it down, to think that the preacher doesn't have gas or, or doesn't have challenges. He does. And he puts his pants on one leg at a time just like you. And you can walk in victory. You can walk in purity. Don't post that gas part. You... Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Oh, this all makes sense to me now. This makes sense. I had a, I had a vision. Could have been a dream. It was that in-between place. I'm not sure. And it was a reminder of when I was at uh, YWAM. There was a youth with a mission base in, in Paia. Hawaii. And every Tuesday, they had these powerful guest speakers that would come. And nothing was happening in our church on a Tuesday at that time. And I was getting rid of the Duncan spirit. Yo-yo. was getting free. And I would go Tuesday. And that's where I heard about this intimacy stuff that I was telling you. See, it's, Jesus said it's a sin that takes place on the inside of your body. It's the only sin that takes place on the inside of your body. It's, your, it's a thing of the Spirit. So I heard, I heard that, and I, 
heard this message. And then he had people come up and he had them take their hands and go like this. And he said, I want you to put everything in the middle of, in your hands that was past, past relationships, hurts, different things that happened to you, whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit's putting upon your heart. And so I just put all my past relationships in there and, and everything I wanted to get healed from, I just put it in there. And then he had an altar call and they came up, I came up and somebody prayed for me and that's when I heard that like two by four break. I want to pray for, I want to pray for some people tonight and, and we're not going to go long, it's 8.32. And if you need to slip out, go right ahead. But I want to pray for some people. And listen, if you've never had, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so that is like not what, we're not into that. I am into you walking in freedom, power, and truth. I am into disrupting the plans of the enemy and rewiring the neural synapses of your mind, renewing your mind and getting healed from the things that will take you back into that pit that God brought you out of that you keep crawling back into maybe. Maybe. So I want to pray, if, if, you, if this bears witness with your spirit and you, you like, I, I need some healing. I, I, I want some of what was taken from me, I want it back. And I want to sever everything that, that, that I took from somebody else. That's number one. And I'm going to make it composite so that it's easier to answer the altar call. In the, in, the pattern of, in the pattern of iniquity, the sin pattern in your thinking, you realize, man, I see this pattern. And I want to dismantle it. And I want to get healed. I want to get set free from it. I want you to come in just a moment. If you need healing in your physical body and, and you want God to touch you and heal the died, there's a number of people here as I've been talking about relationships, your heart's broken. I understand that. He's going to heal your broken heart tonight. Healing is a birthright. Minister Micah, would you lead us in whatever you like? And if you're here and you want to be healed, patterns in your thinking, perhaps you realize that you've never had those cords. Do I need to say it plainer? Okay. So in your life, you've been intimate with multiple people or even just with one other person outside of marriage. Now you're married or now maybe you're single. But you realize... I think maybe that thing needs to be cut. If you've not, in prayer, severed that thing, and you can do it yourself, there's no doubt, but there's a corporate anointing that's here. You want prayer for that. Listen, if somebody looks down your nose at you because you answered an altar call, listen, you know the kind of, you know why I fell in love with my wife? Not because she was physically fine, and, and, and she is. That's not why. That, that's what attracted me to her at first. There's nothing wrong with that what it really made me fall in love with Karen. She's crazy about God. She answered altar calls. She would go after Jesus. She would repent. She would read the word. She just, and she would just radiate the joy of the Lord. I'm like, oh my gosh. I want that one. That's the one. Real beauty. It's not about makeup and finery and clothing. It's the, the beauty of the women of old. I could say men of old too. 
beautify themselves in gentle, quiet spirit. Where is that? It's here. I know that. All right. You want prayer? Would you stand up all across this place? Yeah, it requires a kind of a gutsy call. Lift your hands to heaven all across this place and begin to pray. Great. Just come up front, shoulder to shoulder, please do not double stack. Pastor Gill, you'll help me, please. All right, what I want you to do, all of you that came up front, and there's more that are coming, come all the way up to the stairs. I want you to put your hands like this. I saw this in a dream, so we're going to go for it. I want you to put your hands like this and imagine all of those things that you want to get rid of tonight. Does that make sense? In your heart, imagine all that that's there. Everything you want to be broken free from, severed from. Past relationships, perhaps. Maybe a pattern in your thinking. Maybe a bitterness or a woundedness. And maybe it's just healing, okay? So hold your hands and imagine all of those things there. I'm going to come and pray for you. Minister Micah, you're going to lead us in worship. And I want you to worship God with all, your, all that you got. And people here tonight, you're going to experience freedom that you've never known. And when you leave this place at the end of this service and tomorrow, you will find that the things that tormented you and the things that bound you and the things that afflicted you will no longer be there. But you're still going to have to forcefully renew your mind and begin to make choices. You'll have a, a greater freedom to choose, but you're still going to have to choose. God won't make you do it. You have to, you have to choose. It's called the glory of man. All right, come on. Change everything in our lives here. Who found here now? Jesus, you change everything, change for fear. Bow here now. Jesus, you change
Lord shows me that you've been through a tremendous battle. And you are strong. And truth is, what you've been through, many people wouldn't be around to, to, to talk about it. And I see, as it were, like a, a warrior with armor and weaponry. And you've been wearing it a long time. And the Lord says, my daughter, I brought you here, even tonight, to hear the words that you're hearing and that you have heard and to free you from having to fight your own battles because I am the mighty one among you. I am mighty in your life. Now, I am taking up your cause. I'm going to set the record straight and I'm bringing healing to you, your family, children. I'm bringing healing to you. You have had to go it alone. But that season is now over. For I'm taking you by the hand. And I'm leading you beside the still waters. I'm leading you in paths of righteousness for my own name's sake, says the Lord. And you'll be used to bring counsel and wisdom. And you'll be used to bring healing to the brokenhearted and recovery of sight to the blind. For I've put my words even in your heart, my compassion that stirs within you for other people. You have a deep desire for justice. Injustice flat out makes your blood boil because you've been so harmed by it. You've become a champion in many ways, but the Lord is having you let go now of your own weaponry and your own armor and to take up now. the armor of the Lord. And I see great restoration. I see great healing. There's even physical healing happening in your body. I see God touching your organs now, your liver and kidney. I see God like, like hot oil being poured over your shoulders, down your back. He's touching your back, touching your hips. There's some phantom pains, different things that you've been concerned about. The enemy's worked overtime to keep you in a place of dread but it's over, says the Lord. Welcome to your new life. Take the whole thing.
Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. What you allow will be allowed. What you don't allow will not be allowed. And you must stand in this hour where darkness is all around and be that burning, shining lamp. Be that one who walks in a place of, of purity and uprightness before the Lord. Be that one. It's not yielded to a defiled generation. And the devil is not nervous about a church that's defiled. He's terrified about a church that's blood-bought, walking in identity, walking in the power of God. He's terrified about a people who will know their God and do great exploits. He's terrified about that, but he is not terrified. He's not terrified about, about a defiled church. Live free. And it's a fight that you do the rest of your life. And what you behold, you will become. Your eye gate, what you're looking at, what you're thinking about the most, that's what will be manifested in your life. So put no vile thing before you, as David said. Serve God with fear. And watch the blessing, the favor, the the wisdom, the secret of the Lord, the protection, the provision, the blessing of God. Lord, help us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, I prayed for some of you, and you were clearly struggling with things, and some of you told me what those were. I'm just telling you it'll be easier. It doesn't mean it's automatic and you walk out of here. You know, if you're still subscribed to the Pornhub, how many of you know you're still going to get the stinking email? Did he say that? Yeah. How many of you know you're going to have, like, maybe you need to get rid of your, maybe you're going to need to get a new email. Maybe you need to get a new phone. Make it, maybe, come on. Like I'd say probably, definitely a good idea. To cleanse all that stuff and unsubscribe from all of that. And then there's all the cookies and stuff in your computer. Listen, rat yourself out. And if you can't deal with a phone, if you can't deal with one of these, the flip phone won't kill you. And you could go to a beeper. Do you remember those? A pager? <laughs> and if you can't handle being online, there's no shame in that. You know what there is shame of? Not doing something about it. Ended up in a devil's hell. It was not created for you. Walking in a place of bondage. That, that's, that's a miserable life. Don't do it. My wife and I share an email. She has access to all of my stuff. She can have my phone. She has my password. She has all of that. I got nothing to hide. She can look at it anytime. Same thing with hers. And by the way, my kids too. Kids. Phone. If they flinch, dude, you're over. It's over. You know, let me see your phone. Okay. Shoot, they like backed out of 15 apps. There's apps that hide apps. Well, how are you doing on your phone? I'm good. No, they are that fast. You're slow. They're fast. (laughs) 
They say the next generation might be born with thumbs. I don't know. Only thumbs. Know what's on your kid's phone. Listen, I, I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, uh, Twitter and, uh, and Facebook. Why, why did I get on all of those? Believe me, I wasn't looking for, I, I got on to stalk my children early on. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I'm not, I stalked, stalked my children and picked all their friends too. I don't do it so much now. Know what's on your phone. Your spouse ought to know what's on your phone too. If you can't, if you have, you have something hidden, it'll fester and it'll grow and it'll become like a cancer that will destroy you. Get healed of that. Get a, live a life of transparency. It's, you don't even have to like try to remember what your lie is. You just tell the truth all the time and it's all good. It's way less work. Did you get something from God? All right, if you're not right with Jesus, uh, as we close this service, unusual service, as we close this service, you're not right with God, give your life to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him if you drifted. You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. Anybody, you want to get right with God, first time. You've never given your life to Jesus. He died on a cross for your sin because you deserve death. So do I. But Jesus took our place. And when we believe that he did that, that he took our sin and died on a cross and on the third day rose again, when we believe that and we repent, we ask him to forgive us for our sin and to come into our lives, he washes away all of our sin. It's called being born again, John 3. You must be born again. If you're not born again, I'm glad you're coming to church. I'm glad you're online, but you must be born again. You know, I got like three minutes, so I'm going to take it. I was witnessing to somebody today and uh, two different people and as I was witnessing to them they were telling me about baptism and how important baptism is and he said and that's what it's really all about right baptism I said no actually he said no yeah it is I said no it's not and he said no yeah it's about I said no let me interrupt you that's not what scripture says and so I began to tell him. I said, baptism is an outward sign of what took place on the inside. So if you get baptized, but you're not born again, you still go into a devil's hell. You could have wet baptismal waters dripping off your face and still split hell wide open the second you die. And if it wasn't just about baptism, then what about the thief on the cross who said, who said, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with you in paradise. They didn't have no pool of water right there. What did you pry him off and let's quick dunk him before he dies? Better have full submersion, not a sprinkling neither. Got to go, get him off to our cross. Let's baptize him so he can go to heaven. That's not what happened. He died, he went to heaven because he believed on the Lord Jesus. It's faith. Confident assurance of what you cannot see. And baptism is a command that you are to be baptized. But it's believing on the Lord Jesus. It's not going to a church, but you will go to one once you get born again. You will read the word. You will love. You will love God's people. You might have hated them before, but there'll be something about it now. You just want to be around Jesus' people. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it tonight. You say that's me. Fantastic. Pray this with me right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. 
and make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll conclude. Father, thank you. Fill and touch your people. Lord, that we would walk in the fear of the Lord. And as a result of that, we would see healing and favor and blessing and the secret of the Lord you would confide. We'd walk in fresh power, fresh anointing, unction of heaven. We would walk in the fear of the Lord and stay away from sin and live a life of righteousness and truth and joy in the Holy Ghost. So teach us the fear of the Lord. Teach us to number our days and use us for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Went a little bit long. If you could go and get your children, they would appreciate that, as would I. God bless you. Friday night is the care service. Pastor Gill going to be preaching right here. Sunday night, care service upstairs, separate entrance. Invite somebody to the house of God this weekend. 9, 11, and 6 p.m. We love you so much. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.